1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. And now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical, every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffon 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffon 55, The John Buffon Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffon 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. I'm John Buffone, and Alyssa Barbieri is currently churning out content on Bears Wire, so she has the night off. So we dusted off that old battle axe, Aldo Gandia, who used to do this for this show. And we've also brought in Danny Shimon. We're doing things a little bit different. We we were going to talk about that 12-game losing streak, but as they say in the news business, Aldo, something else kind of buried the lead. A couple things buried the lead today in Hallis Hall. What a day. One uh, day that we won't soon forget. Uh, yeah, so we're changing the format a little bit to address some of the major stories that came out of Hallisaw. There was more than one. And we usually do Buffon's base, basement with Danny Shimon in the last 45 minutes, but we decided to first address the news that Alan Williams has resigned as defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. He released a statement earlier today. I'm going to read that for everyone. Let me put it up on the screen. Um, it is with great regret that I tender my resignation as the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears football club effective immediately. I am taking a step back to take care of my health and my family. I appreciate the opportunity to work with the Chicago Bears, a storied NFL franchise with a rich history. The McCaskey family is a first class, is first class and second to none. I would also like to thank Coach Matt Eberflus and General Manager Ryan Poles for giving me the opportunity to come to Chicago. I would also like to thank President Kevin Warren, the coaches and players of which I value the relationships and camaraderie. 
I value the NFL Shield and all that it stands for. And after taking some time to address my health, I plan to come back and coach again. Sincerely, Coach Allen Williams. So that's the big story. There was all sorts of rumors that permeated. We're not going to address those rumors because um, there's just no need to. They're, they're rumors. If nothing's been substantiated, uh, John has made it clear to, as the managing editor of this show, his show, that we're not to talk about that, and we certainly won't. Uh, so, John, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, so first and foremost, let it be clear. I'm not here to talk about rumors, hearsay, or anything that has not been properly sourced or verified, and I hope we all stay within those confines tonight. Uh, I'm sure the media and fans will be following this very closely, and as more facts come out, those conversations can be had. However, the only thing I do know for certain is that the Bears are without a defensive coordinator. That being said, it was a bizarre day at Hallis Hall. Justin Fields' comments were a lightning rod across the country. Braxton Jones got put on IRR. And for those that just can't get enough Bears news, Nate Peterman was released today, which, of course, led people talking about Tyson Bajan. So let's just go through these things systematically. Danny, uh, let's start with you. What was your overall feeling of what was happening at Hallis Hall today? It was, it was just one, you know, big tweet after another. And I was like, and first of all, the, the whole, you know, uh, Braxton Jones going on IR was caught me off guard. And then I saw the, uh, you know, the, the Justin Justin press conference. And then I was like, okay, Justin's finally, you know, fed up and he's speaking out. And then the bigger, you know, uh, news comes out with, with the resignation of Alan Williams. So, yeah, it was just one, you know, big headline after another. And I was like, you know, you're kind of wrap, trying to wrap your mind around which one uh, affects them, you know, thinking about this game on Sunday, which one's going to probably affect them the most. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the Braxton Jones injury is is, is, is big, is huge. Um, you know, the the Justin Fields coming out and saying, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm playing like a robot. I'm, I'm thinking too much. You know, that could be a huge impact in terms of this Bears offense, in terms of how they're designed and how they, you know, start, you know, um, trying to you know, incorporate his ability to to make plays with his legs in, in the offense and how that can help the offense, hopefully positively. Um, in terms of Alan Williams, honestly, guys, I've, you know, just strictly as a defensive coordinator, strictly as, uh, in terms of what he does on Sundays, I've been a critic of him since last year. Uh, you know, him not being there this past week, I thought the defense, uh, even though you know they they still gave up some some big plays, I thought they were a little bit more aggressive. We saw some some blitzes there by by Eberflus as he was calling that that defensive unit. Uh, so I, I think on the field, I think that they only have a chance to get better, to be honest with you. Uh, it's, it's not like they're going to, you know, they're going to lose Al Williams and their defense is going to go in a tank, you know. So it, it's, it's for me, it's not really a, a big factor in terms of them, you know, moving forward. The only way it could affect them, it will be on the coaching staff. You know, not now. Matt Eberflus has taken on the role of defensive coordinator. Obviously, once you're doing that, you're, you're kind of dividing up your time between the offense and, and the, other, the other portions or other responsibilities as being a head coach. So, you know, the thing is, will he, you know, look with him within to name a defensive coordinator? That is my guess. You know, last week I, I joked, you know, is Rod Marinelli available as a, as a you know, senior advisor? You know, that, that could be great right now for, for someone who can come in and maybe just work home games, you know, or, or just, you know, help, help during the week and put together game plans. I, I'm not sure, but uh, that's how I see it there. For me, the, the biggest impact, though, is Justin Fields, how this offense moves forward now with two starting offensive linemen missing for him. Uh, Aldo, I'll bring you in on this because what do you think that they do? Do they name a defensive coordinator? Do they just keep things? At, I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out soon, but uh, is it in their best interest to upgrade or I should say promote someone to defensive coordinator and maybe bestow 
play calling abilities to them? Or should Matt Eberflus just take control, not name a defensive coordinator, and just kind of leave the structure as it is? Well, he was asked how he's going to spend his time, and he said that he's currently spending 50% of the time with the offense and 50% of the time with the defense. And that doesn't seem like it's what a defensive coordinator should should be doing. A guy who is preparing for a Kansas City Chiefs offense that is ready at any moment to explode and start getting back to the way they used to play offense. We'll talk more about their offense uh, offensive struggles a little later. But if if he wants to continue to split his time equally with the offense and defense because both, frankly, need the attention of a head coach and somebody to oversee what's going on, then he should definitely promote somebody from within, you know, a veteran uh, uh, coach like John Hope, the, the, the secondary coach to the defensive coordinator, or then he should assume, assume more time with the defensive coordinator's role and then name a, an assistant head coach. Coach. Uh, and this is probably all, you know, uh, goes to Ryan Poles. He's got to come in here and uh, and take control of this situation because the team is certainly depleted now from a coaching perspective. And the players were not at all aware, according to Brad Biggs in the, of the Chicago Trib Tribune, they were not at all aware what the status was with their defensive coordinator. They were they quoted uh, Briggs quoted players as saying, yeah, this is kind of weird. I haven't been told anything. So uh, things have to be cleared up. And Eberflus talked today about, you know, the players really need to focus. Well, it's going to be really, really hard. And so, so somebody has to step in tomorrow morning and say, okay, this is a new structure. This is the new alignment. Let's get to work and kick some ass on Sunday. Danny, are you, are you cool with Iberflus just taking control of play-calling abilities for the rest of the season, or would you like to see him? I know there's a couple of names that you were thinking of that potentially move into that, D, uh, that D.C. role. Yeah, John Hulk, we talked about before a secondary coach was here with Lovey Smith. He he's you know he's well and grind with his defensive scheme. Uh, you know, uh Borgosi, Dave Borgosi, who was linebacker's coach, who he brought with him from the Colts is another guy that's highly thought of in, in the coaching ranks. However, guys, no one other than uh Matt Eberflus or and or Alan Williams have ever called plays in the NFL. So with, with, you know, Alan Williams gone now, I think Eberflus has to take over that, that responsibility. Now he could kind of, you know, dilly up some of the some of the the week to, you know, the daily you know, weekly kind of responsibilities of being a defensive coordinator to one of those other two guys, have him kind of run the meetings and kind of all, and do some of the installs. But, you know, he, I think he should take you know, command in terms of being the defensive play caller on Sundays because, you know, for quite honestly, he's the only one who's actually done it at the NFL level. And just from what we saw last week with Eberflus calling plays, they were a little more aggressive. Do you think with Eberflus now having more of his hands on the defense that we're going to see a more aggressive defense with more blitzing? Aldo, I'll start with you and then Danny jump in. Well, and as we'll learn later when we preview the Kansas City Chiefs, this is a team that's having trouble with their two veteran tackles. They've been jumping offsides. The right tackle jumped offsides five times against Jacksonville alone. And so this is an opportunity for these defensive ends to, to create pressure. And for the now the, the Chiefs do have a very strong interior offensive line. But uh, nonetheless, we need to to galvanize these front four linemen so that Eberflus can 
play his style of defense, seven men back, four guys rushing the quarterback and putting pressure on Patrick Mahomes and disrupting his his rhythm and, and passing. And that shouldn't be that difficult. This is a team that has had trouble scoring points. And so this is an opportunity. That's really the way the Chicago Bears have to quickly turn this thing around. This is an opportunity for Matt Eberflus to put his stamp on this defense and get some positive results and get their second sack of the season. They've only, they only have one all season. So let's get to work, guys. Danny, we talked about this at length after the game where they were more aggressive and there were they didn't sack Baker Mayfield, but Ngakwe had a few free runs at him but right. couldn't bring him down. Is it just a matter of finishing now? Right. And then although hit on, on a spot there in terms of the, the, the Chiefs offensive line, the interior is, is at strongest point uh, for them. So the, the ends are going to have some opportunities. And I think this is where, again, where Ngakwe or, or maybe even, uh, you know, a Khalid Kareem can get in there and, and provide some pressure off the outside and, and maybe, you know, get Patrick Mahomes down for a sack. So, yeah, and for me, in, in terms of, you know, the, the, this, this uh, overall philosophy with this defense, obviously the front four is the main component there, but, you know, you got to bring some added pressure when you're not getting to the quarterback. So as the game goes along and, and if you see, uh, you know, that, that the front four isn't doing it, they're just not getting to Patrick Mahomes. He's getting rid of the football real quick. You got to bring in somebody else in terms of just generating some sort of extra pressure to put the opposing quarterback, you know, some fear into the opposing quarterback and that he's actually going to, you know, get his jersey dirty. So unfortunately the Bears haven't been able to do none of that so the, for, through the first two weeks. So that, you know, hopefully with Iberflus taking over, he will be a little bit more aggressive there. Yeah, the way I look at it is you can pick your poison against Patrick Mahomes. You want him to you want him to, you know, go after him and then he burns you on some one-on-one coverage or do you want him just to pick apart a soft zone the entire time? I'd rather go down swinging with some aggressive play calls. But so we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens, but not to be outdone, the offense had its plan it had its fair share of drama today with uh, Justin Fields with some of his comments that uh, the media may have ran with a little bit and picking apart and chopping apart one or two words and then throwing it up there. But uh, he did, I believe, but we do have some of his press conference to share with you uh, right now, and then we'll talk about it. So go ahead, Aldo, go ahead and roll that. Like I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, I felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just, not not, not playing like myself. So, um, you know, um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and, you know, play football how I know how to play football. And um, that's not uh, – that includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and, you know, uh, playing off of instincts rather than just of, you know, so much, so to say, info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. I mean, just going back to it's a game, um, and, and, and that's it because that's when, you know, I play my best is when I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So um, I'm going to say kind of just bump all the – you know, uh, you know what I should do, what I, uh, this and that, like pocket stuff, like I'm going to go out there and be me. So those comments that he eventually, you know, called an- another quasi press conference at his locker to, to make sure that people knew that he wasn't trying to blame the coaching staff. And I, yeah, I applaud him for, you know, taking control of the situation. But uh, Danny, we've talked about this quite a bit throughout the season so far is, it seems like this offensive scheme is almost paralyzing him back there. And so he's going to take this new, you know, screw it attitude, so to speak, and just play. Um, What do you think that means necessarily? 
I, th- I think, I think, first of all, when I heard him say this, I, I was yelling like, yes, finally, Justin, just go out there and just, you know, let your frustrations out because I was frustrated for him watching the tape, breaking it down. You'd see the, the guy looking at the receiver wide open, but he's just not pulling the trigger. So my question is, why wasn't he pulling the trigger? And then, so apparently from what it sounds like, it's like, you know, he's been told to, this is how you operate through the pocket. This is how you go through your progression. One, two, three, four, whatever, however the progression is supposed to be. And that was kind of just like weighing on him and you could tell he wasn't even trying to get out of the pocket and escape so it, it something was was off and he just wasn't playing out there loose and free and even i mentioned last week i, I know i believe it was after the game i was like when they go up tempo when he, there's no huddle they're just kind of free-flowing you could tell he, he's a little more comfortable there for whatever reason so for me what this means is, is we'll see some of the stuff that last year we saw in terms of you know that patriots game plan where we see some more design quarterback runs We'll see some more RPOs. We'll, we'll you know, they'll see him you know, rolling out, kind of moving his his launch point, not saying you know strictly in that pocket, you know, because everyone wants him to be a, wants him to be a pocket passer. But he will also have to make some plays from the pocket. So, you know, and then you know, we have seen him make throws from the pocket, like for example, the hitch routes. You know, the Bears run a lot of hitch routes with the receivers. Those are we, we watch the tape. He's comfortable there. You know, one, two, three, bam, ball is out. So there, there's certain route concepts that you know, that from the pocket that are comfortable that he, he likes. And there's ones that he's just not, you know, comfortable yet. But you know, it's it's not just abandon the pocket, you know, uh, offense and just go strictly, you know, uh, you know, play yard or, or, or you know, playground kind of you know football. It's it's kind of incorporate, you know, his ability to kind of create with his legs, but also then incorporate some plays that he likes that he's comfortable with in the pocket to kind of create an offense that kind of you know is built around him and not just strictly a scheme. Be careful when you say you want more hitch routes, Danny. We've been through that road before. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, Aldo, do you think um, you think Justin maybe maybe looked at his tape last week and saw some of that hesitation where those those you know he pumped the ball instead of just letting it rip, and maybe he saw some of that and said, "I need to just go out there and I, I'm I'm I, I, if he's analyzing himself, I'm tired of just trying to be a robot motioning through those things and just throw it because we did see some hesitation to throw the ball when there were uh, where there were open receivers last week. Listen, this is a guy who worked with Lou Getze during uh, the preseason to become a pocket passer and proclaimed that he was going to pass for 4,000 yards. That's how confident he felt that he can throw from the pocket and do it well. Now, when things are not working two games into the season, he did at one point said it could be the coaching. And he's clearly frustrated because he's not the pocket passer he thought he was, and he's not ever going to be that. Uh, at least not with this coach, because sometimes uh, coaches and players don't align. And it certainly sounds to me like he and Luke Getze are not aligned. And he wanted to be aligned with Luke Getze, but the frustrations that he's going through as a quarterback and all the bad press that he's getting, I mean, he's being talked about on national media shows and Dan Orlovsky is giving these breakdowns on, you know, that he can't see the field. And all of a sudden he's gone from a media darling to uh, a a huge question mark whether he can play quarterback at all in the National Football League. So I think that's what we saw today was a frustrated young man. Now, I got to say this. The evidence is there on tape. Danny and I see it slightly different. There are guys who are open. And so Danny saw that, and he's wondering why didn't he throw the ball? Why didn't he pull the trigger? I think it's because he's not seeing things. He's, he's thinking too much. And so at what point is that going to get resolved? Because if you're scrambling around and running around, that, 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 
uh, uh, obstacle that you have about hitting the open man is still going to be there. So we're going to rely on him to rush for over a thousand yards again, get battered and not have a real quarterback, a guy who can throw for three, at least 3000 yards. He's not going to do that this year, even with DJ Moore. So I'm frustrated with the fact that it doesn't look like he's going to be able to progress to a point where he can be a solid pocket passer and then use his athleticism to put some icing on the cake and, and create a dynamic player. He can't be that baseline pocket passer. That's what I saw with Mitchell Trubisky, and that's what I'm seeing now with Justin Fields. I totally disagree with you, Aldo. And 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 then, so going back to this past game, right? The Bucks had six sacks. I went through the tape. I went through every single sack. Three of those sacks, there are receivers open. Justin needed to get rid of the football. So three of those sacks are on Justin. And, and that I said, I think I said two after the game, but it actually was three. And other three were just he had no chance. There, he was getting killed by the behind the offensive line. But either way, in, in terms of his development, you know, there are quarterbacks that can be successful being you know, athletic like Justin and also being able to play from the pocket. He's not going to ever be a, just a strictly a pocket passing quarterback, like say a Peyton Manning was, or like you know, some of the other, you know, other quarterbacks that just strictly make all their decisions in the pocket. What you can do is you can kind of help his progression get there. Right. So for example, you know, and when anyone says dumb down the offense, that's a, that's a really bad negative term. It's not what I'm trying to say. It's just make it more simple, more easier for him to go ahead and go through his progressions. For example, if you do 12 personnel, maybe you run two guys in the route, you know, cause if you look at the, if you look at the, the, the offense are running, I mean, the, the offense was discombobulated. I mean, even these, some of the national media guys you just mentioned, Dan Orlovsky and some of the other guys, they're saying they're not understanding the concepts of what the Bears were trying to do on offense. It just looked like, you know, Getsy was doing like a Matt Nagy, just pulling plays out of his playbook and just running them out there. So, I mean, there, there are receivers that were running wrong routes. At one point, there was a route where two receivers were, were within four yeah. yards of each other. Uh, you know, there's offensive linemen were confused in terms of their the whole the whole the whole team was offense was running slow. Receivers weren't getting off the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about Tyler Scott, who's got four three speed, and he's not running full speed. So you know, there was confusion amongst the entire offense. My thing was, let's make it simple for the entire system, for the entire offense. Let's get this team some confidence, this offensive unit. And then now if you can fix that defense and make them respectable, now you have an opportunity maybe, you know, stay in some games and hopefully win some games. So, but what they were doing, the, you know, and the, the, the pressure was all on Justin. Everything was, you know, being pushed on Justin. And I'm not absolving him of his bad decision-making and his bad play. I'm just saying it wasn't all him. The whole offense was broken. And I think maybe a, a just, a, you know, the players coming to him, whether it was just Justin, whether it's some other players going to get to saying, hey, you know, just let's let's do something different. Let's just try and make it a little more less complicated for everybody. You know, even, you know, I, I think Donnell Mooney earlier in the week, he said, you know, they, they talked about the report. That's about, you know, talk, what do you say to Justin when you when you when you see opportunities, you know, that, that he hasn't thrown a ball to you guys? He goes, we just got to tell him, just trust us, just throw the ball. You know, if it's a pick, it's on us. If it's throwing it over our heads, it's on us. Don't worry about it. Just give us an opportunity to make a play on the football. And I'm hoping that's what we see going forward now. And I think we kind of had this conversation last year after the uh, the Washington game on Thursday night, which was just a horrendous game. But we we, we kind of had the conversation of, would you rather Justin Fields throw three touchdowns and two picks or zero or uh, zero touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, or I should say zero picks, one touchdown? Which one would you rather have? Because at this point, the defense is not going to step up and, and win the game for you. So I'd rather my quarterback throw three touchdowns and maybe make two bad throws 
but maybe you can maybe you can win a shootout because he rushes another one in or something like that. Is it? Or do, would we rather just let him let it loose and possibly Jameis Winston it up a little bit, uh, but still put some points you, on? You don't want to go. You don't want to go there either. Well, right? you don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. a big exaggeration, but yes. Yeah, I mean, you you, you got to take chances. I mean, you got to take an opportunity. You know, this is a, a a team now that that's got DJ Moore on the outside. You know, you, you have. Claypool, who, you know, whatever you guys think about him, he's a big bite receiver. I'm not too high on him right now, but you, you got to, you have some athletes on this, on this offense here. And I, the best two players are, are the quarterback and, and DJ Moore sprinkling a little Darnell Mooney here and there, but you, you got to be able to, to generate some offense. The offensive line that we talked about two starters are down now, you know, you have a makeshift offensive line, you know, they're not going to get not much better that, that you can sit back there and, you know, do five steps, seven step drops, run these long, you know, uh, routes down the football field. So you got to make things a little bit more, less complicated, a little more easier for, for the, uh, for the whole entire unit. And also one thing that gets, he's done these first two games, he's abandoned the running attack. You know, that's the thing that they, they kind of they thrive last year was, you know, that's why young quarterbacks need, especially guys that are developing, that are having some, some struggles early on, have a nice running attack that you can rely on. Obviously, a great defense that gives them a you know, great field position would be even excellent, but that's not going to be the case here anytime soon. So, you know, just give them some help in terms of the running attack, you know, you know give them some more easier concepts in the pocket, and then I'll incorporate him in that uh, with his ability to kind of make some extra plays with his legs, incorporate that in the offense as well. So I think that's where you can kind of see some confidence growing within the entire offensive unit. And hopefully that leads to some points. Yeah. I, I don't think that anyone on planet earth would disagree with Danny when he says there's blame to go around. That is certainly true. I'm just still concerned that three years in that this quarterback is showing so much of what Mitchell Trubisky showed he's he's you know the broadcast started uh the Tampa Bay broadcast started and he was seated on the bench and he had his eyes closed and it looked like he was into this meditation thing and I'm wondering this guy played on a national championship game in front of 80,000 fans and millions of people around the world watching why does he seem so nervous why does he why does he isn't he grasping the moment and so I'm glad to hear him say effort I'm going to play my style and 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 so hopefully we'll see a turnaround and, and I pray that I'm wrong and that Danny's right that this guy is going to turn out to be the quarterback because I don't want to go through this rebuilding process every two three years yeah one thing if I could if I have a chance there John Trubisky uh, although you might you might remember this I was one of the first ones that this kid doesn't have it this kid just does not have the ability to process in the pocket he just he's even even when you roll him out you do his half half fill reads there was times he would struggle so I was one of the first ones I I didn't see it in Trubisky and and in scouting we have this term called dudes right dudes the football players are dudes so dudes no other dudes and when when you would mention Trubisky to other NFL players they would laugh they would, they would laugh out. They would literally laugh out loud about him, right? Because they, they knew he wasn't really what everyone was kind of building him up to be. When you talk about Justin Fields, NFL players respect Justin Fields. His team lost 10 games in a row last year, but yet his peers voted him one of the top 100 players last year in, in the NFL on that NFL Network uh, uh, poll. So there's respect for him because they know he's a player. He's, he's, a guy, he's got talent. He can produce. You just got to put him in the right situation to produce. And eventually, once – he gets older, he gets a little more mature. Some you know, quarterbacks progress a little bit slower than other quarterbacks, right? Look at Geno Smith in Seattle. You know, he was labeled a bust in with, with the New York Jets and, and throughout his career. And lo and behold, it took him some time, but you know, I'm not saying 
I'm not saying Justin's going to be on a Geno Smith path. I'm just saying, like, to some quarterbacks, he's got to break them in easier, easier in terms of, you know, getting this system going. For whatever reason, it's just not clicking right now with this, you know, sophisticated passing attack down the field. So, you know, we saw it on tape. It was painful. Uh, you know, you, you had nothing to be able to look forward to because you saw a great athlete just kind of being, you know, paralyzed by, by all the stuff that was going on in his head. So hopefully this opens it up. He do, becomes that playmaker. We, you know, we, we talked about We saw it last year. Again, although to your point, we don't want him running every single time. You know, we don't want him just, you know, one read, tuck and go. We don't want that. But we do want him to be, have the freedom to be able to, hey, you know, if you feel pressured, let's go ahead and let's, let's go ahead and get out of there. Look downfield, see if you see anybody come open. If not, then tuck and run. Yeah, I, I think if he's on the Geno Smith trajectory, he's not going to hit his stride until after he's out of Chicago. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, so that's, that's, that's unfortunate. And uh, all, going back to your Trubisky comments, I believe, I forget which defense it was, but the, they beat the Bears and they said, what was your plan? And they said, we got to make Mitchell Trubisky play quarterback. I, I, remember, I kind of remember. So you're right. There was, a whole, there was not a whole... Yeah, not a whole lot of respect there. And to your other point, Danny, about the run game, I think between their running backs, they may have had a combined, what, 11 carries uh, all together between the committee of their running backs. They had, it was like 10 or 11 carries on the game, which is not something that you can lean on if you're only if you're only uh, only running that many times. Uh, although I want to ask you this kind of holistic question because I love prognosticating like years in advance here. Uh, but it's, could Justin Fields be taking this new mentality because – He's not stupid. He can see the writing on the wall a little bit. And, you know, 12 straight losses, which is the most in franchise history, everything's on the table. Everything's on the table from coaching changes to quarterback changes to everything. And so if if he sees this as if this coaching staff gets kicked out of town and they bring a new one in, do, are they going to want me or do I need to put some tape on to see if they ship me out? And so it, it, do I do I want my last year as a full time starter to have this kind of tape on it or do I or do I need to start taking over some games? So in case a new regime comes in and they don't want Justin Fields because they will have two first round picks to play with, uh, maybe he's thinking I got to I got to I start I got to start thinking about me and playing my game and putting my tape out there because you don't want to have to go the Trubisky route where you have to be a backup somewhere for a year and hopefully catch on somewhere else. There was a strong sense of that in today's press conference. There's no doubt. He, uh, it, you know, he's frustrated about being a Bears quarterback. And you got to believe that these guys talk about, you know, what has been said so many times before, millions of times before, that the Bears have never had a good quarterback or since the days of Sid Luckman, that wide receivers, Chicago is where wide receivers go to die and so forth. So, that's the unpleasant thing for us as fans is that we know these players are like, might be feeling, I can't speak with absolute certainty, but might be feeling that playing in Chicago on an offense in Chicago is a sinking ship that it's, it's, you know, in yesterday's bear, their soul show, I, I talked about, it's like it, the bears are cursed. It's like Ditka should have given Walter Payton that touchdown. Somebody threw a, a curse on us. That was a Payton fan. And uh, you know, I, 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 totally hear what you're saying. I do think that he is putting his fit, foot down and saying, yes, you know, I'm uh, uh, I'm eligible for uh, contract talks next year and getting that extension, that fifth year extension, which would be about $20 million. And so he certainly doesn't want to be uh, uh, restricted into the pocket where he's having his problems with. And, 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 you know, Danny's talked about this too. The offensive line is not going to 
particularly now that Braxton Jones is gone, you know, it's not going to uh, uh, instill much more confidence in, in the poor guy. So he's going to go out there and do it himself. We've seen it happen in Chicago with Michael Jordan. He said, hey, nobody else around me can score. Heck, I'll score 63 against the Boston Celtics in a playoff game. So maybe he's going to do the same thing, although they lost that game. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's, it's they, they lost those games that he took over last year, too, but he wasn't the issue. They were, I mean, in this 12-game losing streak, they've given up 25 point, over 25 points every game. So what he was, he was not exactly the main issue with those games they were losing last year because they were putting up points, but they were giving up way more. Uh, Danny, you, you, you alluded to the offensive line, so let's pivot to that. Braxton Jones going on the IR, and now it's like, okay, now what's the, the offensive line carousel going to look like? It seems like they want to keep Darnell right over at the right tackle, which if, as a rookie, I think you probably want to build some stability in, at that position. Uh, but where do you go with left tackle? Is that a Larry Borum job? What's going on? Well, today, apparently, Larry Borum was there at left tackle at practice. So I think they're going to go in and start Larry Borum there at left tackle. Now, they did mention Jatir Carter, who's been playing mainly left guard, and he's been filling out right guard. Who, by the way, had a, you know, other than a couple, of, a couple of snaps there, had a pretty solid game for his, I believe, his first career start. So Jatir Carter was a left tackle at, at college. So, uh, you know, he's he's athletic enough to play there in terms of uh, the athletic ability. The, the length is, could be a different issue there. So uh, so I think they're going to start off with Larry Borm and, and, and see where it goes there. I think they, they signed Avante Collins to to the practice squad, to the actual active roster. He'll probably be the swing tackle. Uh, yeah, in, in terms of Darnell Wright, I would leave him at right tackle. He's a rookie. I'm, I know he played left tackle at Tennessee uh, two years ago, uh, but I think I, I think right tackle is his spot in, in terms of the NFL's future. So I would just leave him there, let him learn there and get him settled in. Hopefully Nate Davis comes back and, and, you know, he's dealt with, you know, the loss of his, you know, his loved one. And, you know, he's, he's gone through some, some stuff there. He's, you know, he's back on in terms of his head, you know, being back on straight now and, and he's back into the, into the, you know, the business of football and they could form a nice dynamic duel there on that right side. Cause that's what I was looking forward to the beginning of the season is those two manhandling people at the line of scrimmage. And then, you know, the bears using them to, to be able to build that rushing attack. So uh, Lucas Patrick has looked decent at center. Uh, he's obviously a better center than, than he is guard. Unfortunately, Cody Whitehair, I, I, I think he's done. I mean, he's, he's struggling bad, badly at, at left guard. Uh, he was supposed to be the center. So, uh, so maybe once Tevin Jenkins comes back, you know, they can kick him back inside to center. Um, but yeah, but right now that, that left side is, is, is a big question mark. And that's something that I'm going to be very concerned about, uh, you know, not only this week, but, you know, in future weeks to come. And Aldo, we're talking about when this person comes back, when this person comes back, then you got to build that chemistry back up because Tevin Jenkins hasn't been in the starting lineup at all this year. Uh, Braxton Jones won't be back for at least, what is it, four weeks or whatever it is on the on that, on that IR, maybe longer, who knows. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, now you got this rotating line, which they had to deal with in years past. And you, it, it wasn't all that great to begin with. So mm -hmm. uh, are, are we going to see more screen passes now? Because uh, even more than we've already seen. Uh, are we going to see more of those? Are we gonna, or could we see possibly try to take advantage of a, an aggressive defense or take a, try to take advantage of that by some designed Justin Fields runs on the outside? What, what could we possibly see uh, with, with this uh, makeshift line? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Mar Lewis. a lot of Mercedes Lewis, and um, and I think you, you, we should be seeing a dedication to the run game. There's no doubt about it. And so I know you we'd love to see an aerial attack with those three wide receivers, Mooney, Claypool, and more, but. Uh, you really don't have the offensive line to do that with great confidence. 
Um, I do have a thought regarding Darnell Wright. I'm not I'm not going to pound the table and say move Darnell Wright to left tackle. But if you are thinking about it, now is the time to do it. Because I recall when the Bears acquired Kyle Long, and he was so athletic. He could have easily have played left tackle, and who knows, he could have maybe had a longer career at the tackle position than at the guard where there's so many bodies flying around and tripping over and falling and hurting yourself. Uh, moving Darnell right to left tackle, it, it, it could be – the solution to the left tackle position for the next 10 years. And the only reason I'm saying that is because after the first two years, after the first two games, we saw Braxton Jones struggle mightily. And uh, perhaps he's not that left tackle. At the end of last year, I was saying, we don't need a left tackle. This guy is going to, to be our left tackle for the next 10 years. Like Danny was saying that we would have those two edge guys, but now I'm not so sure. And so maybe we should seriously consider putting Darnell right at left tackle. And I believe that Larry Borum could play the right tackle better than the left tackle, but I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of that either. Yeah. Danny, do you think we see a lot of help from the tight ends, bringing it kind of bringing it in to try to get some max protect in there? Because like, once again, we're not overly sure about this line. We weren't sure about the original one and we're right. certainly not uh, sure about the one that's going to be trotting out there on Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not too sold on Larry Boren playing left tackle either. I'm, I'm with Aldo there, and yes, I, I I expect to see a lot of you know like 12 personnel. You know, uh, you know, even if if uh, the tight end does end up you know chipping and releasing into the into the pattern to the into a route pattern, but uh, you know, I, I do see that that side now getting a little bit more attention. Hopefully, I, at least I hope the offense coordinator will you know recognize that and, and give some more help to to Larry Boren until he you know either a you know play shows that he can handle it. Um, and surprises all of us or, you know, until they, they get someone in there that can, you know, potentially, you know, fill that spot until, you know, um, Braxton Jones comes back. I mean, Iberflus today didn't rule out possibly this could be a season ending injury. He didn't, he, he didn't rule that out either. He just, you know, just said he's on IR for now. So we'll see. Hopefully it's not a season ending injury because as I said, I had, I had high hopes for Braxton Jones coming into the second season. And I thought he was going to be the, the stalwart there, left tackle, but he was off to a slow start. Uh, very disappointing, uh, you know, watching him live on, on, on Sundays and also going through the, through the tape. Um, you know, just even more disheartening in terms of, you know, just look confused in terms of his assignments and, and some some of the uh, some of the, the things that I, I thought he was going to get better at this year, which was, you know, taking on more power, being able to sustain a bull rush, uh, still lacking in that area so far after two games only. So let's let's kind of pivot to the run game a little bit or the lack thereof, uh, because they have not been uh, running the ball effectively, hadn't really been running the ball at all as far as a numbers standpoint goes. So uh, they're, they're, they seem to be happy with this weird committee-ish kind of thing, but is it necessary to have that committee if you're only combining for 11 or 12 carries a game? And who should be that, that, that number one back? Danny, I know you were kind of on the fence about keeping Khalil Herbert in there for a while uh, until, you know, Roshan could really take the reins. But has your opinion changed on that at all? No, I, I really do like Khalil Herbert. I, I think he's a guy that that could you know give you you know a good 12, 15 carries, and then now you rotate Roshan Johnson in whether whether it's you know eight or ten touches, and then if you want to bring in a Deontay Foreman, gives you more of a downhill thumper in between the tackles kind of runner. It gives you a nice little variety. So, but the only problem is being or staying committed as a play caller to the run to the run game. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if you're trying to pass on first downs and, and you, there's an incompletion or, or a, a loss, you know, a second and 12, it's not a really ideal situation to start running the football. So I think you got to start, you know, just mixing it in nice balance. I'm not saying just be a, a, a you know, a, a, a ground and pound kind of team. I'm just saying mix the, 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 uh, the run game and have nice, even balance and then allow, 
Herbert and and you know Roshan Johnson and even Dante Foreman to kind of you know you know get a good sweat going and you know try and churn churn some yards there on on the on the um, on the ground that only helps your quarterback but also gets confidence in, in the offensive lineman as they you know, as they, you know everyone I've ever talked to in terms of offensive linemen say they love run blocking better than than pass blocking so. And Aldo, do you think that depending on, do you think the way that the season goes will have any effect on that? Where if the season is completely lost, which it kind of already seems like it is after two games, but uh, if it completely gets out of hand, where they're already eliminated from playoff contention halfway through, or they're going, they're close to that, do they get the rookie more time to see what they got in him uh, as as they, they get more evaluation time? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you've got to. Th- this was not ever going to be a one-year rebuild. And so the player evaluation probably is the key and was the key the entire time. Yeah, we were all hoping for, you know, a push for the playoffs that would show really good development and an expedited development plan by by Ryan Poles. But he told us before the draft, I can't address all of the holes that we have on this team. So he told, basically told everybody, this is a three-year plan. And so we've got to find out who we have and what they can do. The problem, of course, course is is that if you've got injuries it makes it really really difficult for the player next to you to play well because you're inserting somebody you just picked up off the street or didn't go to the preseason or or whatever doesn't know the playbook and so forth but you're absolutely right at a certain point in the season we've got to invent invest in developing players and just swallow suck it up it's it's going to be another losing season um but at least we could potentially see and individual players, them developing and being guys that we can circle and say, these guys can help us win championships. I, uh, I'm, I, I, you say three-year rebuild, Aldo, and I hope that you're right because I'm not overly confident that this is even going to be a three-year rebuild given what we're looking at, the longest losing streak in franchise history. You know, even, you know, you're supposed to be able to fall ass backwards into a win every once in a while, and then they keep finding uh, different ways to lose. So uh, that, that'll that kind of bring me up to this next topic of, I know that, you know, last year we were very patient because they stripped everything down to the studs and there was nothing there. And this was, you know, getting the contracts off the books, accumulating draft capital, moving into the second year. But we're getting to the point where we were supposed to see real progress and we're not seeing anything. We're saying we're seeing the same thing with different players, which can you can say is on the coaching staff, which is on scheme, which is on maybe the GM for who he's bringing in or whatever. But uh Danny, I'll start with you and then I'll pivot over to Aldo. Is it too soon to start thinking, hey, that seat's getting hot given what you're seeing on the field and now off the field? Guys, I'm not usually the guy that raises his hands and says, yes, fire the staff. But but I mean, it's it's getting to the point where I'm, I'm starting to question a lot of, of what this coaching staff has, has done. I mean, last year we talked about, you know, they, they play a lot of young guys. You know, a lot of young guys got, got a lot of playing time with hopes of them maturing, getting better, and, and this year, you know, developing. So far, I, I haven't seen any young player develop so far. I, again, it's been a year in two, in two games, right? So, I, But I haven't seen any young player develop and get better from last year to this year, right? Whether it's, you know, Brisker uh, or, or, you know, Kyle Gordon was having a good, you know, training camp, but he got hurt. We talked about, you know, Braxton Jones not really taking the next step up. Obviously, we've talked about Justin and, and some of, you know, his, his struggles early on. So, you know, it, it, are you – a staff that can develop players and are you a staff that can put players in position where they can succeed and so far they have not you know they have not gotten to that point and i, I have more I, i've been a big 
advocate to, I hate this, this defensive scheme. I'm not a fan of this defensive scheme. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I always wanted someone that, that can come in here, a head coach that has some offensive you know, chops, some offensive background to help your young quarterback develop and grow. You know, we talked about it last year, you know, or, or I think it was last week in terms of if you fire the offense coordinator, who play, who calls plays now? If you had a head coach that has the offensive, you know, play calling ability, even if you got rid of an offensive coordinator, he would then take over, you know, the, the duty of, of, of kind of grooming your quarterback and getting him ready. So, yeah, so for me, Obviously, we'll, we'll see how this this season plays out. It's only two games, right? It's it's not it's not over yet. Only one game out of first place, guys. By the way, only one game out of first place. So, uh, so we'll see how the season plays out. And if this if this streak that they're on, which is John, you, you mentioned it, twelve games in a row, they've lost, average of twenty five or more. That's never happened in NFL history. Okay, if this continues and this goes into October, right? Uh, there's got to be a change. I mean, they, they've become the, the laughing stock of the NFL. I mean, they, they are what we used to, you know, uh, call the Cleveland Browns. You know, we're now, we wish we had the Browns roster, especially on defense, you know? So it's like, yeah. you know, th- this has become really, really bad, really quick. And, and I know we, you know, we always, you know, see prospects coming in and, and new GMs and new head coaches. I'm not saying I'm not advocating to, to, you know, kind of clear house, but if this continues, and this defense continues not to get to get, you know to put up or, or get better, I should say. Uh, and you're a defensive minded head coach. What are you doing? Yeah, and that kind of leads me to why I think it's more leaning towards that hot seat, Aldo, is because you were brought in because of the way you could run a defense. And throughout this historic losing streak, your defense has been atrocious. Your specialty, which what you were supposed to bring to this team, has been an absolute liability. Now, clearly, off the offense is not pulling its weight either but even in last year when the offense was scoring points the defense couldn't do anything and you think that even with a lower amount of talent on that side of the ball that's your specialty that's your bread and butter you're supposed to be able to scheme something up that's supposed to you know even once throughout that 10 game losing streak you think you would have schemed something up that would have worked but it didn't it gave up a lot of points so if you were brought in because of how you could be a ceo and especially about how you ran a defense and your defense has been awful, even when you pump $100 million into it, isn't that kind of an indictment on how you're running the team? It is a cause for an investigation. I'm not ready to indict them yet. I listened to Andy Reid's press conference. The head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs was asked about Matt Eberflus, and he said, listen, you know, the first three, four weeks of the regular season are basically an extended preseason. Everybody has, all the players have rust on them. All, uh, everyone is learning what routes to run, you know, because of what's happened with the CBA and the lack of practice time and so forth. We really won't get to see this Chicago Bears defense in full force until around Kansas City and uh, next week's game against, what is it, Denver next week? So I, I think we have to give Eberflus a little bit of time. And then when you compound that with the injuries, when you're counting on Eddie Jackson and Eddie, you know, is clearly over the hill now, but when you're counting on him to be uh, your starting safety and you got uh, your other young, very promising safety in Jaquan Brisker getting banged up and he's starting to raise concerns, whether he has the durability, uh, a gene to play in the NFL. And then you've got some other injuries elsewhere. You know, you gotta you gotta take that into account with Matt Eberflus. I'm not a big fan of him. I I prefer a head coach who has a presence in the room, where when he 
uh, starts to talk, you want to listen, and that he answers uh, questions in a way that motivates you. Uh, and Eberflus doesn't have that. He's very, very similar to an insurance salesman that I had who I actually canceled my policy with because he, he was just too boring to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, at what point, if the street gets to 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I think uh, my, my boy Torian Whitfield just brought this up, but if the losing streak gets up to 16 or 17, like eventually the 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 heat's gonna get to be too much, right? Like eventually, like if you lose sixteen or seventeen straight, eventually we've seen people get fired for way less. So w- when does the heat get turned up? I, I know the Bears yeah. don't fire people yeah. in the middle of the season; they probably won't. But yeah. like still, like when does it get almost insurmountable? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's obviously he's gonna get the whole season, so he's not gonna get fired. If Mark Trestman doesn't get fired after that debacle, I, you know, no coach is gonna get yeah. fired in midseason, right? So, yeah, so that that's the thing is he's gonna get the whole season. Like Aldo said, you know, this this is a team that that hopefully get does get better as the season goes on and then shows improvement. But you know, the, the, even the building of the roster, like I, I was, I had a big issue with the first two picks when they when they came in, Poles and Eberflus were secondary players. And then they, in the last year, they, this offseason, they went and they spent big money on linebackers. It's like you build your, your defense from the line out, not from the back of the defensive backfield in. So, and that, that's just really weird, especially for this scheme, for this type of, you know, your your front four is the engine of the scheme, right? Your front four has got to get after the quarterback. That's how everything runs. It's that three technique, the edge rusher, the middle linebacker, and then your, 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 uh, your safety in the middle. So, I, I, the whole way that this thing was was built was really just ass backwards, for my opinion, and that that really you know pissed me off. And and now it, we're we're just seeing that right now. We're we're seeing you know a, a defensive line that yeah you you went and you spent uh, on Ngakwe, but yet we saw why he he's been on a, every a new team for the last five six years. He's a guy that you know will flash, will get you a sack here or there. And I, I was the one who wanted Ngakwe because because we needed someone to actually get pressure on the quarterback. But if you get to the quarterback and you can't bring down Baker Mayfield. I mean, what good are you then? So, and then the defensive line, I can the, the run defense still is is there's holes like in it like Swiss cheese. It's it's just it's a mess, and you know that's why I was getting frustrated this week because everything is being put on Justin in terms of this team's own to start. But it wasn't just Justin; it was every, every facet of, of the game, every facet of the team. I should say was was struggling. Besides, actually, you know what? I take it back. Special teams has been okay so far. The kicker's been making his kicks. We had a black punt. Or I'm sorry, block field goal yeah. last week. So uh, coverage units have been okay. So uh, other than special teams, every other facet of, of this of this team sucks right now. Look at that glimmer of hope you're bringing. Special teams. <laughs> that's 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 right. Uh, I want to I want to end on this, fellas. Uh, obviously, the Bears they they still play football and they have to play a game on Sunday and they're going to be playing uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which will have some uh, a familiar face over there. I want to how over under. How many times they do an ISO shot on Matt Nagy and then over under how many times do they mention that the Bears passed up drafting Patrick Mahomes? How, how many how many times do you think they bring? Because eventually if the game gets out of hand and this is coming from an old broadcaster, if the game is like out of hand and there's like a 20 point lead in the third and fourth quarter, you start looking through your book of like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, let's talk about the Bears passing on Patrick Mahomes. And we got nine graphics for that. Oh, let's talk about Matt Nagy and uh, Mitch Trubisky and how he got ran out of Chicago and how this is his revenge game or whatever. And how he's so awesome now over under on Matt Nagy and, and uh, Patrick Mahomes not being drafted references. I'd like to put it at 2.5, and I think it's going to go over. This is the national game on Fox, uh, the afternoon game. And typically those 
national games, they really dig into the storytelling. They want to, you know, talk about a particular player or coach and so forth. And so you're absolutely right, John. They're going to mention that. Uh, I think Mahomes probably will be mentioned once, but I got a feeling Nagy's going to be mentioned uh, over uh, about three times. Um, and by the way, in the videotape uh, regarding the Chiefs, I have a quick shot of Matt Nagy just to irritate all of us Chicago Bears fans. So. Yeah, keep both of us. Yeah, we'll see yeah. a lot of them on Sunday. We'll definitely see a lot of them on Sunday. Danny, how many, how many times do you think there's going to be a graphic or a slideshow of like the uh, the 20, was the 2016 or 2017 draft with the Trubisky? And it's like, here, here. And then Mahomes went here and Watson went before that. And the Bears traded up. And they took they took Mitch Trubisky. How many how many times? Because that's probably good filler for them. They can they can kill a good thirty seconds on that, uh, yeah. showing uh, what, what what the Bears did. And you know and then you know Andy Reid and the and the, the Chiefs were brilliant in drafting Patrick Mahomes. But there's no guarantee that Patrick Mahomes would be Patrick Mahomes if he came to Chicago. <laughs> well, it didn't help that the former uh, uh, director of player personnel, Josh Lucas, went on a local uh, station here, radio station, and they, they asked him about that that the draft, and he said it was between. Trubisky and Mahomes that that was and then they, they they just had a little better feeling about Trubisky and that's why they went with Trubisky so that's how close it was to being all those quarterback of that draft class uh Patrick Mahomes that's that's the guy he wanted um I'm, you know he was told me I'm like what Patrick Mahomes yep yep I got you know tip the hat cap to, uh, to all those that he wanted him but the, I, I think the over under on the Mahomes thing will probably be maybe like one or two so maybe if you have a one and a half you give a little bit over there but the, the, the naggy thing is going to be all over because I think Nagy's been struggling. The KC offense has been struggling, yeah. and I think this is going to be his opportunity to to yeah, put right. a fifty burger up up on <laughs> up on Matt Eberflus's, uh defense. And I think if he has a chance to do that, he's going to run up the score, uh, not only to help him in in KC say, "Hey, look, I know what I'm doing," but also kind of rub it into to Chicago there. And, and so I, if, this could be a fifty burger game, guys. Get, get, uh, my, get ready for my fear was that the Bears are going to be everyone. I said this after the game. It's going to be everyone's get right game. Oh, is your yep. defense struggling? Don't worry. The Bears are coming to town. Your offense struggling? Oh, don't worry. We're going to <laughs> Chicago. So this is, we're going to be everyone's get right game uh, for, for from here on out. Uh, moving forward. And I can't say much about that draft either because I wanted to draft Jamal Adams and then take Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. So I, I can't I can't say much about that because I because I, I would have ruined the Bears as well. So but that's why I'm not being paid to run the Bears. That's why people are better than me are supposed to make those decisions. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, that'll that'll basically wrap it up that we covered a whole lot of stuff here in the first 53, 54 minutes of this show. So uh, they, like I said, the Bears do have to play a football game on Sunday. So Aldo, I believe you have a preview video for us about the Chiefs. That's right. Uh, I um, studied the Kansas City Chiefs with some help from uh, my guy, Matt Cotter from Arrowhead, Arrowhead Addict. And uh, he brought up a lot of good points that I've included in this video. Let's take a look. I mean, obviously, uh, too many penalties, um, too many miscues. Patrick Mahomes could have been referring to the Chicago Bears offense, but instead he's talking about the Chiefs. Their offense is ranked 22nd in NFL scoring, tied with the Bears. And just like the Bears, they have opportunities to self-correct. Things are there. You look at it on tape, things are there, but we're going backwards instead of forward. And if you look at percentages, uh, even with a five-yard penalty, percentages of scoring on a drive with a penalty is slim to none. We've, we've been able to do that probably better than anybody in the league, but it's, you're getting these multiples put together here and that's uh, it's too much. 
The Chiefs scored 20 points against the Lions in their Week 1 loss. Sunday, they beat the Jaguars, but scored only 17. The Chiefs are still very much adjusting to a lot of new personnel. Really, it's been the peeling away of some familiar offensive layers for the Chiefs after trading Tyreek Hill a year ago. And offensively, they're still looking like, can I trust you? Will you be where I need you to be with all of the wide receivers? Casey's offense is currently a testing laboratory with mad scientist Patrick Mahomes leading the experiments. Mahomes is such a playground quarterback. He's such an ad-libber, um, despite even the technical prowess of the offense. Like, there's there's so much verbiage in Andy Reid's offense that typically rookies or new, new guys have a hard time as it is. And then add on the fact that Mahomes wants you to be able to conduct yourself with solid instincts and knowledge on the fly. Today, Mahomes spoke about the need to find the rhythm and get players like veteran Marquise Valdez-Scantling more involved. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a, we haven't been great offensively just in general. So I think uh, as the offense gets going and we start finding our rhythm, you're going to start seeing those shots. So Marquez down the field, you're going to see him be more involved in the offense. But when you can't stay in rhythm, and that's me included, uh, as an offense, it's hard to get the guys the targets that they, that they deserve and that they should get. Um, and so we have to find that rhythm and find the way to spread the ball around and then get the guys that the, are the guys, uh, the catches, so that we can go out there and have a better offensive day. Super tight end Travis Kelsey missed the opener against the Lions but fought back to play against the Jags. He had nine targets on Sunday. He played in two-thirds of the snaps. There were a couple key moments where you could tell Mahomes went to ad-libbing again and had to go right back to Kelsey because no one else can really do what he does, finding the soft areas in zone coverage. I think Bears fans can look forward to a Travis Kelsey as normal in week three. At the running back position, Isaiah Pacheco is the team's lead back. He did not practice Wednesday with a hamstring contusion, but is likely to play. And they feature him probably on 50% of downs. Then you have Jarrett McKinnon, who comes in as the third down back. He's the most trusted back of Patrick Mahomes, um, whether as a rusher or receiver. So he gets a lot more play than maybe he would on other teams because of his relationship and the trust there. He's also a great pass protector. After that, you really have nothing. You have Clyde edwards Lair, who was their first round pick. Um, he doesn't do anything particularly well, which is maddening for fans after having used a first round pick on him. The Bears' defensive line showed improvement against the Bucks, but still came up empty with sacks. What will they face in KC? Look, in the, on the interior, I would take the Chiefs' offensive interior against any other line in football. Maybe the Eagles, maybe Cleveland, but Creed Humphrey is a pro bowler. Joe Tooney is a pro bowler. Trey Smith is a pro bowl caliber player, a, a total mauler on, at right guard. So those three are just incredible. But on the outside, you have Donovan Smith, a new left tackle replacing Orlando Brown Jr., who went to Cincinnati. On the right side, you have Juwan Taylor. Ball start, offense, number 74. They benched Juwan Taylor for a couple snaps just to clear his head, sit down with a coach, get back in line because he'd already committed four penalties on the day. And then he comes back in and commits a fifth. That's, that's five penalties on one player. I think Donovan Smith had another two. The Chiefs had 12 for 94 total yards. These tackles are killing them with penalties right now. And they're the vets. 
Defensively, the Chiefs are tied at third for the least points allowed and are led by defensive tackle Chris Jones, who ended his contract holdout in style. You can expect him to show up, especially against a team like the Bears, in where there's very clear talent differential. Um, and then next to him, you know, you have second-year George Karloftis, who had a, had a sack and a half himself last game. He looks great. The Chiefs, other than that, they have some role players. They invested a first-round pick in a guy named Felix on UDK Uzoma out of K-State, but he's kind of a bit part at this point as he learns and adjusts. Um, but really, it's it's Karloftis, Jones, and then a decent rotation of guys who can get the job done. At linebacker, the Chiefs are deep. Nick Bolton is an incredible tackling machine who's probably going to make his first Pro Bowl this year. Leo Chennault is nicknamed Death Row. <laughs> um, in his second year, he's just an incredible run stopper, situational pass rusher. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. And then the Chiefs signed Drew Tranquil away from the, the Chargers uh, in free agency. It's really kind of an abundance of riches. They're learning how to use all four guys. Tranquil and Gay are excellent coverage linebackers. Tranquil in particular is sideline to sideline, but he also had five sacks last year. So that second level allows Steve Spagnolo to disguise anything and everything in terms of blitzes, coverage, who's dropping, who's going. It's really kind of probably going to be a nightmare for Justin Fields. Doesn't get easier for Fields when facing the Chiefs secondary. I know this defense definitely felt like we could have done more and produced more. And coming to this year, this is something that um, we definitely have been looking at and want to continue to succeed with. And show that yeah just because last week and the week before we held them to 9 14 points like this is a defense that's going to continue to do that and be consistent with it and mcduffie's been as great as advertised he's he's incredible and can really keep up with mostly anyone but if you watch the jags game on sunday legerious sneed took care of calvin ridley at a lot of key moments uh, there was that last goal line stand trevor lawrence forced it to ridley on three of four plays from the goal line and and um legerious sneak got the best of him at every single one three starting safeties um who all could play for anyone and they play a lot the chiefs play a lot of three safety sets uh they're just so stacked in the back two levels on defense i didn't forget special teams john matt tells me that the kansas city chiefs have had excellent special teams for several years under Dave Tobe, the former Bears coach. But that last year, because of all the roster turnover, they started to make, commit a lot of mistakes on special teams. And in the first two games of this season, those mistakes have continued. So that could be an advantage for the Bears, although their place kicker, their field goal kicker, and punter are still two excellent, excellent special teams player. All right, we'll be back with B55 after this quick break. The fall is where we rock here at the Ballroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Ballroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bears fans, if you want to check out more information about the Kansas City Chiefs and anything we have to say about them, check out arrowheadaddict.com. We're back. 
with B55. This is where my juices get rolling because the jambophone is going to inject me with some adrenaline. I can't wait to hear his responses to the five questions I'm going to pose to him. And again, this segment is in dedication to Doug Buffon, John's uncle, who played 15 seasons for the Chicago Bears and wore number 55. John, you ready? Uh, as ready as I'm going to be. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, Sunday was another aggravating afternoon for the Bears and uh, and Bears fans. The offense, at best, was very inconsistent, scoring just 17 points with Justin Fields going 16 of 29 for 211 yards with a touchdown, two interceptions, and one rushing touchdown. Now, the offense has been under scrutiny for a long, long time, and now – more and more fans are concerned about Justin's ability to become that franchise quarterback. What's your take on fields and, uh, and this offense? 55 seconds are on the clock. Go for it. So there's a lot to go over here. I guess I'll start with Fields. This seems like a guy that is floundering in this offensive scheme. I'm not absolving him of his mistakes. Don't get me wrong. He's holding on to the ball too long. He's missing some throws. And I'm not a quarterback whisperer or even an evaluator, but it seems like he's not moving quickly enough through his progressions. And I could be wrong, but that's what my untrained eyes see. But unfortunately, I'm not sure any young quarterback would thrive in this system. And although he did walk back his comments today, coaching was brought up uh, when he was asked about why he could be struggling. He says he feels robotic back there. Their receivers are running the same routes on plays. The protection issues are only going to get worse, and the play calling is sometimes weird and lacks adaptation. Oh, the screen worked that one time? Let's just keep calling them, especially when we're on our own goal line. So you got a quarterback that needs extra developing, a coaching staff that apparently lacks the capability of developing a quarterback, bad protection, and a scheme that cannot sustain any kind of positive traction. That's what concerns me. <laughs> Let's bring Danny in here so he can comment on what he just heard. I love it, John. I love your take right there because I I, I was I was fuming this past week when everything was dumped on on Justin Fields and and again like just like you said we're not absolving him of of his of his mistakes and of not pulling the trigger on some some open throws but but it's this is the, the scheme that's got to be built around him and I think him coming out today showing his frustration. Hopefully other players have gone to, to Getzi and the offensive coaches and said, hey, listen, let's do something. This is not working. You know, we, we are a team that has some talent. We should be able to put some points on the board. And hopefully with, with this this week, you know, it's going to be a tough, tough, you know, sledding here in KC. But hopefully after that, a couple, a couple of practices under the belts, we'll see a team that comes out with a dedication to the, to the running a game. You know, using Justin Fields' strengths with his legs and also now getting guys like DJ Moore, hopefully Claypool and, and Darnell Mooney involved in the game as well. Yeah, they picked a hell of a game to get pissed off about. Uh, <laughs> I wish they would have did that with Tampa Bay rather than when they have to go to Arrowhead. But uh, yeah, I, I think that I, I, keep, I can't keep emotionally investing that something's going to be different. I have to actually see it. I want to believe that. I want to see that all of a sudden the offense is going to explode and Justin Fields will run for 160 yards and throw for 200 yards with two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I want to see that. I... I just can't keep doing it. I'm like, I just can't be like, this is what's going to happen this week. Maybe it's because I, you know, I'm I, maybe because I started going to therapy and I realized that I got to start seeing red flags in relationships. I'm seeing big red flags here. And so I got to, I got to, I got to disconnect for a while until they prove to me that they have actually changed. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the running game. Um, 
the uh, there was it was another pedestrian performance, right? Khalil Herbert rushed for 35 yards on seven carries. Rashawn Johnson rushed for 32 yards on four carries, and Justin Fields had just three yards on four carries. We went into the season thinking the Bears' running game would be a huge, huge strength. So far, they've been stuck on park. John, tell me what are your thoughts about the Bears' ground game? Let me put you on camera first. Yeah, I, only got, I only got 55 <laughs> seconds to do this. so That's right. <laughs> well, I, I think at this point I'm ready to see Roshan Johnson. I know they like this committee thing like I was talking about, but if your running backs combined for a total of 11 carries, do you really need a committee? Maybe this is a transition phase to slowly ease Johnson into the starting role, but it's week three now. I think we see the juice when he runs the ball. And honestly, if you're, a running, if you're doing a running back committee with so little carries, I don't know if you're really allowing anyone to get comfortable within the rhythm of the game and while we're talking about the run game let's talk about justin fields if he's going to take this new free attitude towards playing quarterback let's see the dude run a little bit more he's one of the best athletes on the field at all times so why are we putting the ferrari in park sure you want to see him get better as a passer but i also think you want to score points i also think you want to get first downs. I think we need to see more designed runs for Fields so he can get more comfortable and he feel like he feels like he can take over the game and maybe the threat of him running all over the defense will open up some opportunities in the passing game. Yes, as far as I'm concerned, the, the running game is, is something that's been, in my opinion, neglected these first two games by by the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. I mean, I understand that there, there's been some, I know, some, chances where they're behind the sticks and they're like it's second and 12 or something like that. You can't really, it's not ideal to run, but you need to do to determine or come up with a game plan. That's got an equal balance. And you, you help a young quarterback you know, in his development by leaning on that running attack. And that last year, they're one of the best running teams in football. I expect that to get, you know, you know, continue this year with, especially with that right side. I keep talking about with Nate Davis and, and Darnell, right. The rookie, I think those guys are people movers. You can get behind those guys. And I, I like the combination of, of uh, Khalil Herbert. I like what so far we've seen from Roshan Johnson. You can actually play both those guys at the same time with Johnson gives you so much, you know, versatility. He can fly up in the slot, be an extra receiver. So there's so much ways you can, you can work with this and, you know, with this, uh, with this running attack. And I think I just want to see Luke Getzey commit to it and stick to it and come up with that game plan that he's got, you know, even number of, of wrong plays to pass plays. Let me ask you this, Danny, what, what can you do? Would you have a struggling offensive line? What kind of scheme can you do? Because they, whatever they were doing with the run game, wasn't necessarily working, but how can you adapt to what you have and try to mix things up or maybe, you know, throw the defense off or misdirect? What can you do to, to try to run the ball effectively? Because the, the bears are a team and I think need to run the ball effectively to open some things up. So what, what can you right. do if your offensive line struggling? Well, this scheme is, is a predominantly a wide zone scheme, but we have seen some some power concepts in here, whether it's it's a counter tray or, or a pulling guard, something like that, where you want to get some of your offensive linemen may moving, getting into the second level uh, and, and being, you know, reaching that second level linebacker or even that third level uh, defender and, you know, clearing some paths for your running backs. We saw a couple of nice runs by Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson last week. I think we both went over 20 yards and that was it basically. And so like, we'll go back. And I think, uh, I believe the Roshan Johnson run was from the I formation I mean, with, with a fullback, you know, lead fullback and even a, a, a Chase Claypool crackdown block, I believe at, at the end there, at the end of that line. So, you know, th th these are these are things where you can do where you can get these guys out to that second, third level and, and get some easy first downs. And now once you have the defense thinking you're going to run, 
that opens up your play action. That opens up those deep shots down the middle of, middle of the field or down the football field. It opens up so much of your offense. And I think, again, with Justin Fields using his legs now, kind of moving that, moving his pocket and moving his launch point, you can just get real creative in terms of what you could do and how you can you, know, you can fool some of these defensive coordinators. Unfortunately, we talked about earlier, uh, you know, they, they, they're going to come across here, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, who is very, you know, disguises a lot of his, his you know, coverages also his run blitzes if he you know he sees guys getting gashed up front you're going to see linebackers you're going to see safeties coming and and filling those a gaps or, or c gaps so you don't have to get physical at the line of scrimmage with this kansas city chiefs uh, football team to be able to run successfully and i think with at least with davis back and with Darnell right hopefully the bears can you know build some momentum there on that right side to kind of get some long runs there for either the running backs or even justin fields I got a quick question for for Danny. I'm concerned, you know, we want to see Justin Fields use his athletic skills, but it seems like defensive coordinators have looked at the film from last year, and now they're boxing him in and trying to keep him from getting outside to run. I mean, you're seeing somebody, whenever he rolls out, there's there's a defender there, and and that wasn't the case all the time last year. This year we're seeing it much more, and in fact, in some of the games, towards the end of last season where we're seeing that. Do you think that this is going to be a problem to get Justin Fields going with the run game, given that the fact that defensive corners seem to have figured something out here? Well, well, in terms of those, those, those are predominantly on on passing plays where where they're rushing and they're not kind of you know not getting going up past him. They're kind of securing him in the pocket. And I think that's hard for him now to kind of escape outside that you know outside the uh, the the end or or whatnot and get out to the to the flats and get open. But what you could do in terms of designing the runs, you know, there's there, there's you know there's a quarterback power, there's quarterback sweep plays where you can bring a tight end in motion and you can have a, a, a you know a running back or a fullback next to him and those guys predominantly become their his lead block. Now you can kind of, you know, stretch them out wide, kind of separate them, and now you open up some some seams there, some some cracks. And we've seen, you know, Justin Fields and his ability to kind of run away from defenders. Just, just give him a little a little lane there, and you'll see him, you know, hit it up in the hole real hard, work hard. And next thing you know, he's he's running five, ten yards down the football field. So there's different ways you can scheme it and open it up. But I think what you're talking about, Aldo, is is on, on the pass rush. They were not allowing Fields to kind of escape that pocket. They were kind of kind of you know keeping him hemmed inside there. Uh, but from from what you see, if you go back and look at the tape. There are, you know, sometimes there are uh, openings in the A gap or, or, or the B gap where if, if Justin is, feels like he's, there's nowhere to move on the outside, hit it up front in, in, those, in those gaps and just go straight down the middle of the field. Very good. All right, let's get to question number three of B55. We know about the Allen Williams situation, and it basically started last week, John, with uh, Matt Eberflus calling the plays uh, against Tampa Bay. How would you evaluate uh, Matt Eberflus as a defensive coordinator, as the guy calling plays, the guy scheming for opposing offenses? You've got 55 seconds. Uh, well, they did look more aggressive. I saw more blitzes and some people coming at the quarterback, but here lies the problem. They got zero sacks. I think Ngakwe had two chances where he had Baker Mayfield dead to rights, and he got juked out like he was trying to bring down Michael Vick. Uh, also, Mayfield threw for 200 yards in the first half on his way to throwing for 317 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans had 171 yards receiving, and the tackling after the catch was pretty bad at times. If Baker Mayfield can have this kind of performance, what are Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes going to do to this soft defensive line and decimated secondary uh i guess on the ever so small bright side they did only allow 20 points remember seven of those bucks points came from a pick six uh so if i'm matt eberflus which i'm pretty sure i'm pretty happy that i'm not uh i keep throwing the house at the quarterback yes patrick mahomes is going to burn you that way but i'd rather go out like that than watch him 
for three and a half hours, just pick apart a soft zone and big and completion, 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 completion. I'd rather just be aggressive and blitz and go out on my shield like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And then the, 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 this, this scheme is predicated on those front four guys getting pressure, generating turnovers, getting sacks, and the Bears are not doing either one. They're not getting pressure, they're not getting sacks, and they're not creating any sort of turnover. So that's that's a problem. And if you're Matt Eberflus, this is one of the things I had issues with Allen Williams last year was, you know, you're getting gashed. Might as well just bring the house and see what happens. You, you can't get any worse, right? Mm-hmm. So then with Eberflus last week, we saw a couple more blitzes. I think what we just heard about the uh, the Chiefs in terms of their offensive line, you know, their their weakness are those two tackles, right? You know, Dewan Taylor, they paid a, a boatload of money for, and he's really horrible. Uh, and then, and then the left tackle, Donovan Smith, who's, who's a veteran, who's pretty much on his last legs. You know, that's where you attack these guys, and you know, trying to blitz them in the middle of that that defense, offensive line. Good luck there. So I, if I was him, I, I try and design some blitzes for my linebackers, maybe my, my my slot corners or something like that. Get creative, bring some pressure because your front four is not going to do it, um, unfortunately. So you got to you got to get some pressure on 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 Patrick Mahomes. And what we've seen so far in these first two games, watching the the Chiefs play, Mahomes will give you a chance to make a play on a football. And when you have a chance to make a play on a football, you got to go ahead and, and and get that secure that interception. Jaquan Brisker, just like last week, where he dropped a you know a possible pick six there right in his hand. So, and the other thing about the Chiefs is they are putting the ball on the ground. So, uh, you know, you know, if you're gonna go ahead and tackle, gang tackle, get to get to the ball carrier because when that ball pops out, you got to jump on that ball and you got to be able to get that ball away from the Chiefs. Don't you get my hopes up, Danny Shimon? Don't, do <laughs> don't you? Don't you put that burden on me? <laughs> you know, John, your hopes should be up because. The Lions beat the Chiefs. The Lions, the very same team that lost to the Seahawks last week. That's right, Don Burr. I'm saying this because of you. You're in the chat room, so I'm giving you a little bit of your medicine back. And I'm going to go on here and say the Packers lost, the Vikings lost. So why should we get our hopes up? that maybe we're really in the division here john so that's my question for your 55 seconds here do you have any hope that we could potentially win this division (laughs) listen Aldo, being one game out sounds great unfortunately the bears are gonna have to you know win a game uh so let's look around the division the lions have beaten the chiefs and then they lost to seattle a pretty good team they only lost by six the packers who looked decades ahead of the bears in week one lost a one-point game to the falcons on the road and then the vikings are kind of having a reversal of fortune where they're losing some close one score games however kirk cousins has thrown for 700 yards six touchdowns and only one pick through two games so all of those teams have something to hang their hats on what exactly do the bears have to hang their hats on Lack of offense, lack of defense, possibly the worst coaching staff in the division. So while technically the Bears are still in the thick of things because it's only week three, what has this team done to give anybody hope? You, me, Danny, anyone in the chat room, anyone watching the Bears? We had a little bit of hope before this season, but I say I would say it's pretty safe to assume all that hope's gone now. Go ahead, Danny. So you're saying there's a chance, John. <laughs> yeah, me and my, uh, you know, everlasting positivity. Because <laughs> you know that's me, Mr. Positivity. I was I was very calm, cool, and collected last year. I allowed that 10-game losing streak to happen. And I was like, oh, it's part of the process. Why am I trusting the Bears? Why am I, Why would I ever do that? I, I let myself – I was like, I was ready to be hurt again. And I just said, I was, I, go ahead, guys. 
Take it down. I'm I'm going to be so happy because I know after this 10-game losing streak, something's different is going to happen in September of 2023. And here we are talking about the same things over and over again. I, yeah, I pretty much agree with you in terms of, you know, seeing them win this division is, is a little far-fetched uh, right now at this moment. <laughs> a little you know, far-fetched. How diplomatic. Too, but, the, the, you know, if they go out and a miracle happens and they, and they beat KC in, in, Kansas, in Kansas City, right? And the Chiefs are not unbeatable this year so far, right? And so if the, something happens, like I said, a miracle, that is something that can spark a team. That can give them some confidence. You know, if the offense does look much better with, with this, you know, the, 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 you know, the looser, more unrobotic, robotic Justin Fields, you know, that could be something where, hey, you know, that's, you know, there's hope there. And then next thing you know, all you got to do is, is a defense is just become more consistent. Like I said, get to the quarterback, you know, generate some of those turnovers. Um, you know, Tyreek Stevenson is, is a guy that's really hurting him right now. The rookie, is, he's got a lot of talent, but he's really hurting them now. You know, third and 14 allows Mike Evans to get behind him and gives up a, that big, big touchdown. That really was a, was a, was a gut punch to, to a defense. So, you know, if they clamp some of those mistakes, you know, they, they start producing some of these turnovers, get the, the ball back to the offense in, in good scoring position. They could put together a couple of wins here and there. And like I said, once your confidence builds as a football team, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But right now, you know, the, the way that, that that thing is going, you know, they've had a rough week this week, um, ton of distractions. I, you know, like I predicted earlier, this could be a, a Tressman type of game where the, the Bears, you know, the Chiefs put up a 50-burger on the Bears. So, you know, all this positivity is going to have to start in week four. Probably not going to happen in week three. Yeah, it was a double-digit uh, spread before today. I can only imagine what that's going to go to uh, come game time. But uh, Danny, I'm not going. My confidence will not build until I see a W. I haven't seen one in almost a year. I'm not. I, I can't. <laughs> I just. I. I. I want to. I want to be with you. I just can't do it right now. John uh, Cliff, my buddy Cliff says, uh, if you want a positive, yeah, Cliff was at the Tampa Bay game. He lives down in Florida. He says, Justin Fields threw a ball directly in his direction. It was the fastest, tightest spiral pass he had ever seen. So the physical skills are there. Take it from a man who saw Justin Fields up close and personal. That is a positive I will take. Uh I, I will. I, the fact that he threw a tight spiral, <laughs> I will, I will get, and if that's what we have to take into week three, then that's what we got to take into week three. All right. Here's our final question. We'll turn off the clock for this one. Uh, it looks like the Bears fans are already on the ledge. How many times have we said this before? <laughs> but maybe not as early as week two, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's the question I'm asking you. You know, fans are already calling for the head coach to be fired, offensive coordinator to be done away with. Some people are even calling for Ryan Post to be uh, flogged at the city square. What do you think about these conversations? Even if we're 0-3 at the end of Sunday's game, do you think that it's too early? The clock is off. It's all yours, brother. Well, I'm not going to go back on what I said last week. I said the game against the Bucs was a must win because they'll probably lose this week to the Chiefs, and that would be an 0-3 start. If they do, in fact, lose to the Chiefs, that means the Bears will have lost 13 straight games. I cannot stress this enough. We have not seen a Bears victory since October of last season, nearly a year. Matt Eberflus, if he loses this game, will have a coaching record of 3-17. and we have seen coaches lose their jobs for far less. Throw in Wednesday's drama and you have a train that is completely off the tracks. Listen, 
We all want consistency. We all want stability. We don't want a coaching carousel and a quarterback change every three to four years. But if you're a Bears fan, you don't have to be patient anymore. We were patient last year through the rebuild. We were supposed to see something different this year. Something, something was supposed to be better. But what are they better at so far? You are a defensive-minded head coach in his second year with better players, and the defense still stinks. You have a second-year offensive play caller with better players, and the offense still stinks. We have seen this movie before in Chicago. No one expected this to be a Super Bowl contender, but there are problems across the board. Offense, defense, attitude problems. You had to have a sit-down conversation with a player you traded for about his effort. So anyone that tells you that you need to relax because it's only week three, don't listen. Because it feels like 2022 never ended. It's not week three. It could potentially be week 13. If you come to Chicago looking to set records, well, guess what? You did it. You own the longest losing streak in franchise history. And if something doesn't change soon, you're going to be just adding to that record and cement your legacy for all the wrong reasons. And that's all I have to say about that. Wow. <laughs> Danny, can you top that? <laughs> uh, not much. I, I agree with 100% what John just said. I, not much I can add to it. I mean, I wasn't really a, a fan of the Iberflus hire. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier in, in terms of, you know, player development. You know, those young guys played a lot last year. We haven't seen any one of them take a, you know, a step up and, and become uh, a, a, a more consistent players so far this year. So there's no player development. Uh, and this, this streak continues, you know, and then in the Denver game is, is no guarantee either here at, at Soldier Field in week four. So, you know, if this continues, I, I mean, it's, it's become national, you know, national, uh, the national media's picked up on it now. And now the bears are going to become the laughing, you know, the laughing stock of the national football. They got not that they're going to fire the coach in the instance. Like I said earlier, if, if the Trustman, if Trustman got a whole season during that debacle, uh, Iberflus, I don't care how bad it's going to get. I think it's going to get an entire season. And then after that is when we can talk about possible changes. But uh, but again, if, if this team now starts believing, gets a, a victory, and now we'll these young players start developing, get better, that's where he can then save, save himself and save his job. Well, how many wins do you think would save his job? And 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 because I don't know what the leash is on here, because I know they don't want to keep having to rehire coaches and don't go through all this process and you know bring in Bill Polian to help you pick a coach or whatever they're gonna do to have. A, I'm sure Ryan Poles would probably have more <laughs> say over that in the next uh, in the next coaching hire. But I, I I'm sure they want consistency. The Bears are striving to be the Steelers. Have have one head coach and have him there for 18 years. Have one quarterback there. Have him for 15 years, 16 years, 17, 18 years. I know that that that's what they want. So what would be the threshold to either be fired or stay on for the next year? If they go three and 14 again, I think he's out. I think yeah. if they go four and four and 13 or even five and 12, I think is going to get you run out of town because that's two games after spending that much in free agency uh, and, and supposedly having a second year in the system with the, with the same quarterback. What, what, what do you think the threshold is? Yeah, and, and I don't think there's a, a number out there right now, but but I think if, if they go three and fourteen again or, or two and two and fifteen, I, th I think that's that's you know something that they're gonna have to go ahead and just because of the the losing culture now that that the, the team has just for their morale in that locker room, you're gonna have to make a coaching change in my opinion. Uh, but whatever, if, if they get six wins or seven wins and the team's getting better towards the middle half and, and end of the season, the more competitive, you know, we're seeing young players develop, young players come on. I think that's gonna you know show that hey, look, you know, there's player development here. You know, it's it's our second year in this. In this in this uh this system with its coaching staff we're getting better we got more wins than we got last year uh so i, th I think that's where they they would kind of sell that positivity uh but again it all depends on how this team you know 
performs the rest of the season um, and, and, you know, whether they, they go and just tank and, and just, you know, kind of give up on, on the coaching staff and, and not even listen to them anymore, or if they can, you know, go ahead and, and continue to get better week in and week out. Um, and then, you know, at least become competitive and be in games. Like even last year when they depleted the whole roster, they were at least competitive. And that's because of the offense at, at one point at five or six games, you know, Justin Fields and them, they were scoring about 30 points a game. They're in games and they lost, I'm I was at seven one possession games last year. So, you know, last year they were competitive. If they take a step back and they're not competitive and they're not, you know, young players aren't getting better, that's where I, th I think they they go ahead and pull the pull the plug. And the other thing is Kevin Warren is 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 in town now. And I know he's the president and, and he's out of the football operations, but he's trying to build a stadium for this team. And going, you know, three and fourteen, you know, or even worse, back to back years is not a way for for you know for for the the, you know, for him to go ahead and sell this, you know, to the to the uh, different different uh, cities or whatever to try and build up a stadium for him. So I think he'll be involved there as well. And, and John, what was it that you used to say about the Bears that they run their organization like a diner? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The, the, the Bears are run like a family diner. You know. You, yeah. You you, you 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 hire your cousin Benny to be the cook. He can't even make cereal right, but he's a nice guy. So you're gonna let him stay stick around. Like you like him. Like he's a good guy. He really adds to the culture. He burned cereal somehow, but he's but he needs to he needs to be he needs to stick around because we just like him. He just adds to the adds to that fun family. Uh, you know, Bears culture. Not a winning culture, but it's a, it's a good culture. I, right. I remember I remember the Bears had one of the best cultures in the NFL. <laughs> one point it That's wasn't right. winning culture but it was a really good culture which right. is which is what, which is so, what so hopefully kevin warren is going to change that and make it more of a professional organization but i still got the feeling that what's going to determine the uh, near future of the coaching staff is the messages that george mccaskey gets uh, on his email from season ticket holders from people who spend a lot of money with the organization and from former players because the story is is that there are a group of former players that george really takes to heart what what they say about the organization how upset they get when the team is losing and so forth so it's not so much the number of games it really depends on what george mccaskey is going to hear on the telephone or hear from friends in face-to-face -face meetings or read in emails that's what's going to depend unless kevin warren steps in there and said no 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 you gave me this job and i'm making my my analysis and i will and, and we still have to see what kind of a leader he is in that respect I hope that he's as tough as nails because I think that's what this organization needs. They need a tough, strong leader to change the culture and not be, you know, the Fred's diner or George's diner guy. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hope, I hope you're right. I really do. But like I said, I can't, I can't keep emotionally investing and just filling, just pouring out from my cup unless the bears are going to pour something back into it. So I just, I need to, I need, I, I, I always say this team will never love me as much as I love it. And it's just, just something that I have to, I gotta, I gotta kind of disconnect for a little while until they can show that they're for real. And I, I'll, I'll believe things when I see it, but uh, we're, as we're wrapping things up here, let's get some parting shots in here. Danny, I, what are you, what are you working on? Uh, I mean, Bears fans are asking for mock drafts. They're talking Caleb Williams. They're talking Drake May. They're talking <laughs> Sanders. What, 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 how, how far along are we in the process? Yeah, we're, college football season is already up, up and going. Uh, so I've already you know, started scouting some, some prospects. Uh, I've, I've been looking more at the defensive and offensive line right now uh, to try and kind of get, 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 look at some of these prospects that are going to be available for, for next year's draft. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the one, the one, 
positive, if you will, of, of being 0-2 and, 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 you know, having this you know, 12-game, you know, possibly potentially 13-game losing streak is you are you know, picking high in the draft. And, and the Carolina Panthers are also 0-2 and struggling as well. So, uh, you know, you could potentially look at two top 10, top 10 picks that could be organizational kind of form, you know, foundation players there uh, at, the, at the top of this draft class, which early on is, is developing into a nice, deep, talented draft class. All right, Aldo, I'm sure we have 15,000 shows going on in the Barroom Network this week. What do we got going on? We do. Uh, but here's the message that I want to leave with people, uh, because we've been getting a lot of new visitors to our shows. Um, I think it's because I subscribe to the checkmark thing. And so, you know, Elon Musk sends my, my tweets. And so uh, we've been getting people whose names I'm not familiar with. So I'm gathering that they're new followers. I hope that they like phone 55 and gabriel talks football and our after the game show bear football all of the different shows we've got uh, uh almost a dozen shows dedicated to the chicago bears and some dedicated to hockey and baseball and so forth so i hope that you like it and if you do please subscribe to the barroom network here on our youtube channel and if you listen to audio podcasts all you got to do is go to your server whoever delivers your audio podcast to your device and subscribe to the Barroom Network. You're going to get a show uh, every day, sometimes two or three shows a day. Uh, so, uh, and hit that little bell because uh, if you're watching on YouTube, because if you hit the bell, you'll get an alert that we're live with a fresh show and really love the interaction. And old timers like Cliff Victoria and Ravi and so forth really enjoy always interacting. Laz, and, and, and I hate to mention names because I leave somebody out and I feel like an idiot, but, uh, or I mispronounce house the name so uh but nonetheless thank you to all the new listeners and of course everyone that returns every week really really thanks a lot thank you absolutely and don't forget to join danny myself and our new analyst coach t on bear football or after the game show the three of us will share our immediate reactions carry coach Eberflus and justin fields press conferences and break down all the key plays of the game uh that'll do it for us tonight on buffon 55 i want to thank everyone in the chat room i want to uh I just want to say I appreciate everyone who listens to this show, watches this show, whether it's on the video version, the audio version, the live version, the podcast version, whether this is your first time or your 55th time, I appreciate each and every one of you and what you guys bring to the show because we feed off your energy, we feed off your questions, and you, you're the uh, you're, you're kind of what keeps this whole thing going, so we do appreciate it. But like I said, that will do it for this week. For Aldo Gondia and Danny Shimon, I'm John Buffone. Enjoy the game, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>